Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show. I've never had it so good sports radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Um, We are continuing this month our focus on Father's Day and the celebration. Thank you to Coach um, Donald Hill Ely from Georgia Tech and also um, Clay Jennings from North Texas University. They were both on last night to talk about Father's Day and their mentoring of men and how they are coaching these men and raising them. So um, we had that on last night. I want to thank everybody. Also, Guy Holiday. He was on our Where Are They Now segment last night. Again, thank you, gentlemen, for being on. I want to go ahead and get in my co-host, Duck Riley. How are you, sir? Doing well, Precious. Uh, before we even get started, I got uh, the date has to be changed because uh, we want to move it to uh, the draft, the, the pre-draft to uh, June 19th, which is a Monday from 6 to 8. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, All well, right. you now, know. I, I, I'll resend it because, I, you know, okay. i got to have uh, Jason and K-World in them on. Maybe they can get Britt on this time with them, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's basketball. Brittany will definitely show up for that. Let me open up one of my um, uh, platform panelists here. Tisdale, how are you? I'm good, family. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Larry Tisdale, I was requesting, I was requesting <laughs> Duck just pick the number for me. He didn't even respond to Dale, and then he didn't even call in pre-show. He just called in <laughs> 10 seconds after, so I couldn't bug him then either. He got me, Thank Dale. God. Thank God. I'm waiting on your number, man. You might be the last one. I appreciate one it. <laughs> I got to get it to you. All right, all right. Duck, can you give me a list of numbers that you use in, in one, West two, Virginia? I do one through <laughs> one through a hundred. Oh Jesus! Let me just get everybody else in here and quit all this foolishness. All right, Will Harris, how are you, sir? <laughs> hey, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Well, doing good. Thank you for being on. <laughs> all right, let's see here. Tommy Pritchett, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good evening, everybody. All right. Good evening. Awesome, awesome. All right, and Tony Coleman, how are you? I'm doing just fine, Princess. What's happening? <laughs> Never had it so good. My yes, man yes. Dave, what's happening? <laughs> Ducking, participating. <laughs> Ducking, participating in my drama. He, he's a lot like Rev. Just ignore it. It'll go away. <laughs> go ahead, oh, Duck. Man. All right, you're the best me up for the night. Oh, man. Ooh. All right, I won't say Long Island iced tea. I'll leave that alone. (laughs) The short one, the short one. The short one. All right. Hey, look, let me me get it started with Never never Hit It So Good, Tony Coleman. Uh, Tony, let's talk a little bit about 
what's going on with Denver and Miami? Man, what a series we got there, Dave. Um, game two, Miami uh, shocked a lot of people after uh, game one where Denver just pretty much just manhandled them and took control of the game. Um, so people were talking about a sweep. Um, I thought watching the game that Spolstra was just really feeling feeling them out, seeing what um, what things was going to work, how they were going to try to find some weak, weak spots. They made the adjustment. I, I like what he did when he put Kevin Love into the lineup. He evened up that size a little bit. Kevin Love is an experienced guy. He knows how to bang inside. He can hit the three, and also he can rebound. And that guy, I don't know if there's anyone better than him that throw the outlet pass like he could throw the ball. Um, you think the guy is a quarterback out there mm-hmm. throwing the outlet pass. So the adjustments they made, they played physicality. They made shots. They tied the mm-hmm. game, that one in in Denver. So it's like uh, it's on, man. I'm excited. I can't wait for game three, man. I can't wait for game three. All right. Uh, going along with that, uh, are we are we changing who who we're picking? Uh, uh, how long is the series gonna go? Come on, give us give us some juice, uh, Tony. I, oh, I've I've uh, I picked Miami from the very beginning, and I think this thing is gonna go six or seven games. And I think that uh, Miami might end up sending that. It's something that um, they can see, they can feel, they want, but no one else can see it. I believe they're gonna be able to pull off. The uh, the one thing that no one is is going to expect, and for them to win this series and beat Denver, although Denver probably talented wise is the best team, I just think there's something about Miami right now. After you know a couple of years going to the finals, not being able to pull it out, sick and tired of everybody telling them, "Oh man, you did a good job. Oh, you guys played well. You did." You know they're sick and tired of that. They 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 want to try to prove to everybody that they can beat these guys. So the mental um, part and feeling that, that thing that they don't want to feel again, I can, I'm going to ride with them. I'm going to ride it out with Miami and uh, pull it off. Okay. Uh, let's, let's jump to Will. Will, you down there in Miami. Talk to us. What you got going? Yeah, I knew the Heat wasn't going to go down uh, without a fight. Uh, I think Denver looked in control game one. Uh, Jokic, Murray, they were hitting that shot. Game two, I mean, it went back and forth. Miami jumped out on them. Denver came back, built up a double-digit lead. But, you know, Eric Spolster is not going to have his team quit. You know, they came fighting and clawing back. And when they're able to hit those open outside shots, I mean, they can compete with anybody. So I'm still going to stick with my pick with uh, Denver and six, but I think it's going to be a competitive uh, six games, and they'll definitely give the Nuggets a scare. Okay. All right, Princess. You've been watching the series. You, you you've been hitting the thread. So, what's your take on it? Um, secretly, you know, I, I want Miami to win. I just thought the way Denver looked in the last series and how they looked overall that it was um, um, a heavy task for Miami. Um, I, I think they convinced me though that they can compete and they can definitely strategize and coach. So. Um, but I'm still seeing Denver, but I, I think I said Denver in four, Denver in five, and I, I don't think that that's going to, to happen now. Uh, kudos to Spolstra, Riley, 
whoever is putting together the game plan and whoever decided that um, to put Kevin Love in the starting lineup for sure. And Tim Moore is on. Okay. Uh, I'll come back to Tim. Uh, Larry, talk to us. You know, Miami, Denver, surprised or not surprised? You thought they were going 2-0 and or 0-2? No, no. You, you well. If you remember, I picked uh, them, uh, uh, Miami also. Um, I just think that Miami has something that's really hard to describe. I think Tony mentioned it um, when he said that mentality. And when you start to evaluate and you look at, at the history of each one of these players, the undrafted players, and you start looking at you know Jimmy Buckets and how he got to the league, they're different than everybody else uh, in, in this league. And, and, and they're not as talented, probably. You could look across the line, and they're not. But what they do extremely well is they play for each other. There are no, there's no crying or whining if they come off the bench, if they're not getting the ball, if they're not getting the shot. They play for each other. And I think I put in the thread, Ulster was – Did we lose you, Larry? Princess, did we lose Larry? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. We got him back now. Yeah, sorry, we got him back now. And so, uh, Spolster made the moves that we thought he was going to make. He wasn't going to just allow you to have what you wanted. He took something away, uh, and he took everybody else away, and, and let Jokic have what he wanted to. So, I just think from top to bottom, that organization and the way they're put together. Um, every so often, you see a team like this that takes on you know, coaches or their players or ownerships. And if you look at that ownership and you look at that team, there is something very unique about them. They have taken on that personality. Um, again, I think maybe Will has mentioned it. Uh, Spolster might be one of the top two, is top two, three coaches in the league. And he proved it again. Um, and Malone did, did warn after game one. He said, listen, we did not play as well as we thought we did. Um, and that we needed to watch out for them. And then they came out, and you saw him after game two. He was on his team for lack of effort. Um, and that's not what you're going to get from Miami. So I, I still got Miami in seven. Okay. I want, I want to come to Tim. You, Tim, you heard uh, what Larry said about one of the two or three best coaches behind Missoula from Boston. But go ahead. You, you can take it from there. <laughs> Oh, boy. Neighbor. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure I heard Missoula, but uh, anyway, I'll accept that. Uh, <laughs> I think I think he is one of the better coaches in the league. I, I wouldn't put him over uh, uh, Popovich or uh, you know uh, you know. They're, they're, I I actually think that um, uh, Steve uh, Steve Kerr is a good coach out there in um, in uh, Golden State, um, but he's one of the best. He's one of the better coaches in the league, and uh, I think he shows it in crucial situations uh, in not only in this series but the Boston series. He made a couple of key adjustments during the series that I think it sort of saved their bacon a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm surprised, quite honestly. Going, I'm like Princess going into uh, this series at the way that Denver handled Phoenix, uh, the way that Denver handled the Lakers, who were playing really good basketball when they met them. Um, made me think that this was going to be a mismatch. I, I thought it would be over in five, and uh, and I, quite honestly, I'm going to stay with that prediction. I think it will be over in five, but I was thoroughly impressed 
with um, with Miami's performance in Game Two, and quite honestly, uh, they uh, surprised me that I didn't think that they looked like they were mismatched in Game One. I think they just missed a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I want to come to uh, Tommy. Tommy, uh, Steve Kerr brought up something interesting. Uh, he was talking about the Denver and Miami series. He said that he felt that. They were kind of confused uh, that uh, that Miami defense confused them when they went to the zone that made it look like uh, it was man-to-man, but it was a zone, and, and he was switching it back and forth, that they were making some uh, – it was having some problems, you know, holding on the ball, more turnovers than normal. Y- your thought on some of the stuff that Steve Kerr was saying about the game? You know, I didn't I didn't hear or, or read anything about what he said, but um, you know, Miami Miami was lucky that that Denver didn't shoot well. Um, Denver didn't play a good game at all. You know, I, I picked them to win this series, but each time I see Miami, I'm I'm, I'm 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 a little surprised by you know what they're doing and how they're doing it. You know, uh, Denver didn't play good defense and had problems scoring in the last game. <clears throat> you know, even though the Joker had 41 points, he got no help from. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna name two of the guys that I noticed: Caldwell Pope and and Porter Jr. They didn't help at all the last game, whether on defense or on offense, they'll have to play better for them to win. And they have to shoot, the whole team has to shoot better. The Heat, the Heat came in and out worked, out hustled those guys. Um, and they held Joker to four assists. You know, he's used to, he's, he's used to getting 10 to 15. And the only reason he didn't get 10 to 15 last game is because his teammates didn't make shots. Um, plus Duncan Robinson came out, you know, came out and played real well. He surprised me, and so did Gabe Vincent. Both of them uh, played well, and, and Miami's team defense was solid. This next game coming up, if Bam can make those twelve to fifteen footers, Denver will be in trouble. And you know what? I'm, I'm still picking them to, to, to win the series. But uh, if Bam can come out and make those shots, Denver will be in trouble because that the lane is going to be open. Uh, the Heat has to uh, – they uh, Denver has to cover those three-point shooters, so that's going to leave the lane open. So it's all on Bam to me for this next game. But it's a, hey, it's a great series. It's a great series. So how many games are you seeing? I can't I can't say. I can't say. <laughs> I can't say really. Okay. You know, like I said, if the Heat wins this next game, it's on it's on a Denver will be in trouble if the Heat wins this next game. Okay. I want I wanna stay with you, uh, Tommy, because Last week we were talking about the shooting guard and all this kind of stuff. So today, 
I want to know who is the best point guard and the best scoring point guard, past or present. Okay, my best point guard in the past was Magic Johnson. And as right now, the best point guard to me right now is Steph Curry. But you know what? Um, Oscar Robinson is right there, too. Oscar had a good career. From the point, you know, and they listen to him as a point guard. You know, he has a, he has a good career, twenty six thousand points, twenty five points per game. He had a good career, but those <clears throat> Magic Johnson and Steph Curry. All right, but are you putting Steph Curry in the point guard position or the scoring point guard position? In the scoring point guard position, and so Magic. Yeah, if we're talking about score. If we're talking about scoring point guard position, it would be Oscar Robinson. In you know, in the past, it would be Oscar Robinson. But yeah, I was we, saying the we, best point guard about, of the past. Yeah, we we're talking about both, Tommy. We're talking about just the pure point guard and the the point guard, a scoring point guard. Well, I've got Magic Johnson as my pure point guard, and okay. Steph Curry as my scoring point guard. Okay, right. and we're not we're not debating that. Okay, all right, I'm gonna move over to your boy Tony. What you got for me, Tony? Man, I tell you, Dave. Man, this was the hardest question, man, that you ever could have come up with. Trying to pick the best point guards and, and scoring point guards. Man, this was this was hard, man. There's so many guys, man, that I was looking at a list of guys. I said, man, you know. <laughs> but I, I got some names for you, though. I'm okay. going to go with the pass first. I'm going to go with the pass first. My, uh, my point guard, just straight-up point guard from the pass, I'm going to go with uh, a couple of guys. I got to go with Magic Johnson, and I have to go with Jason Kidd uh, as point guard. My hmm. scoring point guard from the pass, I'm going to go with Allen Iverson, and I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas, the the Zeke from Detroit. That Isaiah Thomas, not the new, not the most recent guy, but the uh, the bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I'm, I'm going to go over to the present now, come on up to the present, and this was hard, man. Uh, my straight up point guards um, that I got, and they, I'm looking at these guys as parallel to each other because there's just too many names that are that were just phenomenal Hall of Famers. Uh C P three. Uh I put LeBron James as a point guard. I don't care how you slice it, LeBron James yeah, is a, a point guard. He's a facilitator. He's, he's a guy who has vision. <laughs> you know, he, he sees things ahead of time. You know, so he you know, he, he's straight up a point guard. And uh and then my scoring point guards you got Steph Curry, you got Luka Doncic, and uh, Dane Dollar, Kyrie Irving. I mean, I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't go with one. I had to go with all of them. You know, those guys okay. are scoring. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Tony, if you're going to use LeBron as a point guard, can we also use the Joker? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, I'm a couple times a game, too. Right. I'm just it. asking for a friend. I'm okay. throwing Will. I'm throwing Will in there for that year. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, you, I mean you got to think about it with LeBron James. He has the ball in his hands 85% of the time. He facilitates. He's a great passer. He sees two, three plays ahead. No one pass. When, when I think of a point guard, I think of a guy that has vision, court awareness, and can pass the ball. That's the point guard. He has all of those attributes, and he can play positions one through five. But he he's really truly a point guard. That's why the ball is always in his hands. Okay. All right. <clears throat> yeah. All right, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> the joke is not a point guard. Okay, my um, my um, my list was. I, I agree with Tony. It's a very difficult question because there are a lot of guys that came to mind. I'm pretty clear who I think the best point guard is, but a couple of guys that came to my mind when when you mentioned point guards was uh, Maurice Keeks. He could play on my team any day. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, and you can't just go by stats, but, but this guy was, he was the equal to anybody he ever played against. And he ran the offense of one of the best teams that ever played in the NBA. Um, just, just a great point guard. I think Isaiah Thomas was a great point guard um, because he didn't just score. Uh, he did a lot of things. He rebounded well. He played great defense. Uh, he was uh, he was really uh, high on the list of uh, steals, um, you know, and he handled the ball. He had he had some of the best handles of any any uh, guard that's ever played the game. Um, so I put him on that list as well, uh, just as a pure point guard. Uh, Chris Paul's probably uh, on that list somewhere as well, but the best I think ever. I'd have to agree with most uh, most folks is that Magic Johnson was the best, just real point guard that ever played the game. Now, in terms of scoring guards, uh, I got to look at Nate Archibald. This guy led yep. the league in scoring and assists. <laughs> and everybody talks about it, you know, tiny Nate. Nate Archibald was 6'1". Uh, he, he was as tall as Steph Curry, uh, pretty much. Uh, so I'd have to put him on that list uh, with scoring guards. Uh, Allen Iverson would be up there. Uh, Dame Lillard, in terms of scoring, he's not as great a shooter as Steph Curry, but in terms of scoring, he can score with anybody. Um, so I would have to say either Dame Lillard or Steph Curry. I think that's a push, one of the two, uh, in terms of scoring guards. Okay. Uh, Princess, who you like? I'm just going to go with Tim said because I don't want him moaning and saying, oh, Lord, on me. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know what? I grew up I grew up with Magic Johnson, and, and he's, he's always been my favorite point guard. And to me, just changed how we viewed point guards. Um, I, I don't know if he was the first. I would say so uh, at 6'8", six, 6'9", six, in that position. Um, scoring, and in the future, I'm still going with Steph Curry. I've never just been an Isaiah Thomas fan, um, although, you know, I think he's better. ESPN had a list out there where they had Isaiah um, Thomas at number five and Curry and John Stockton uh, um, 
before him. And I, I don't Ooh. think that at all. Um, but I'm going with, with Steph Curry. And I don't know if I would assume Reggie Miller was the scoring um, um, guard. I really liked his game. I, I don't know if I liked all of the other stuff, but I really liked his game. But Magic Johnson is all time for me. Okay. Uh, Will, what you got for us, Will? Yeah, best uh, pure point guard. Uh, I was thinking going with uh, Isaiah Thomas, but I think Magic Johnson. I have to go there with the size he has, the position, the ability to pass, score. Probably the most complete uh, player we've seen at the position. As far as score, I'm going to go with uh, Steph Curry. He just changed the way the game is played. I mean, everything's on the three-point line. You have to cover the entire court. I mean, he can play off the ball. He can. Uh, he's got handles. He can make plays with the ball in his hand. So I think he's probably the best scorer at the point guard position. Okay. Saving the best for last. Come on, Larry. What what you got, Larry? Yeah, pure point guard, I agree with everybody else. That's Magic Johnson. He ushered in the new era of basketball. Um, We hadn't seen somebody push the ball like that and and be able to see the court at that level, at that speed uh, before. So that was probably the easiest pick that I've had in any of these positions. Now, when you go to, you know, shooting or scoring guard, boy, that changes. And and you guys have mentioned some really (laughs) prominent players. Um, My first, and I've got a few, uh, but my first, and, and I'll give you the reason why, but my, my, my top uh, scorer is still Allen Iverson. Um, and I put him there yeah. over Curry because if you switch errors and Curry is the benefit is the beneficiary of the new uh, uh, rules where you can't touch anybody. And I am not sure that Curry, as slight as he is, he is not tough enough um, physically to play back in that era. Uh, that Iverson was playing where you're going in on Shaq and they're knocking you to the ground and you get back up and it's not a technical, you know, you got to go pick your teeth up. So that's why I would give him number one. Uh, it, that was just a different era. And I don't think they, it, and I think those guys, Iversons and them can come forward. My second was Isaiah Thomas. Um, tough, gritty. Um, one of, he was one of the very first that I saw that I literally, you could watch him play mind games with people. Um, in Detroit, um, they were just yeah. mentally, mentally tough, and he orchestrated that team. He was the leader. He was the maestro. When he asked somebody to move or do something, they did it. Um, so he would be my two. And my surprise third, obviously I'm a Philly guy, is the Boston Strangler, Andrew Tony. You know, if not Ooh, the injury. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you ask Magic in them, they'll still tell you. There's but, nobody but, that can but, touch him. But, but Larry, Larry, he would be Larry, he would be under a shooting guard. He wouldn't be under a point scoring guard. Well, he was when I when I look at him. I just give him the ball. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Okay. I got but, but most, let me get it, Tim. Oh Lord. Give him the ball. Most teams had to give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Listen. Matt, I, he's still my number three. We can debate that other stuff later. Uh, but he <laughs> was, say, Larry, it's my list. All right. He, he, he was unstoppable. Magic, Magic just said he was unstoppable. When you talk to Magic and Isaiah and the company, he was just, if not for that, he goes down in the annals of history as one of the greatest ever. Okay, Larry. So did Larry go to- and Tim just mention every 76 point guard yeah, they could right. find? As much as we can. That's what they did. 
I, I had Wilton there, too. Hey, hey, hey Princess, we're going to have to go to the vote on, uh, for Larry. Hold on a minute, Larry. Let's vote on voters. Okay. No. No. <laughs> I had you, Tony. I had you, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, my you goodness. Yeah, you brought up a name. Look, if Joker, Joker could get in the mix, I know Andrew could get in. <laughs> hey, but you know, Doug Brown James. You know, Doug, Larry, Larry brought up a very good point that Allen Iverson could play today, uh, but I'm not sure Steph Curry would be as effective as he as he is today if he played back with those guys. I mean, Iverson and Isaiah, would, they would dunk on you. I mean, you know, uh, and and that was in a very physical in an NBA back then. And I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought about that. But hey, first of all, sure. first of all, both of you have a lot of validity to that because – you know, you got Dennis Johnson them putting their hands on you, Nate McMillan back in the oh, yeah. day. Yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, it it had been tough yeah. for him because, you know, like now they can't touch you, but back then you come through that lane, well you're gonna get laid oh, out there, Maurice Lucas yeah. and everybody. Right. Yeah. And if you right if you guys remember Arm. uh uh Steph Curry's first four or five years, he struggled, man. He struggled. Yeah, Everybody yeah, forgot about him. He had the ankle injuries. He could, they, you know, they they were wondering if he was going to be able to last. He was yeah, his okay. first three, four years. Then them rules changed. Then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the dynasty was built. Uh, he struggled them first four or five years. Yeah, well, that's you know, and I think, you, know, you got to remember Mark Jackson helped him through that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know, you know, but, okay. Will, Will Will points out that uh, that Iverson, I mean not Iverson, uh, that Curry changed the game, and and he has changed the current game uh, quite a bit. When I think about that, I think I'm not sure he's changed it for the better because I think that's exactly why the Boston Celtics are at home right now. You know, they try to play like like uh, Golden State. There's something to deal with with him and with him and uh, his boy uh, Thompson when they're on. But uh, but if you try to play like them and you can't shoot like them and most teams can't shoot like them, you're going to be home like the Celtics are. Yeah, right. and, and, there was, and, 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 and Tommy, you guys could jump in on that too because most of the East teams, the Western Division didn't really like to play against them because they were a lot tougher than most of the teams out West. And – Boston, Boston did. They had, you know, they have a hard time. They, they're not as tough as what you think. They're not definitely not tough as Miami. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That switch. You know, a couple of years ago, it switched around. You know, the East was the was the tougher team. The West used to be, but it switched around to where the East was the had the tougher teams. And but you know what? Back some years. Uh, Steph would have adjusted. He would have, with the way he 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 can shoot, he would have adjusted to the uh, to the defense played back in the day. Uh, as long as he's able to get off that jump shot, uh, he wouldn't have to worry about that contact on the inside. He'd just stay out there and shoot. But now they, yeah, you but... know, they go inside. But he he would have adjusted back in the day. Okay. It'll be, right, be the out there. Yeah, I'm going to stay with Larry because, Larry, 
Our thoughts on Draymond Green and Clay Thompson in or out? Will they keep oh. him or will they let him go? Oh, that's a keeper. Uh, you, you can't mess with that. You know that that martini. That martini needs everything: the straw, you know, the glass, the olive. If you pull one of them out of there, it, it, that does not work. There is no chemistry whatsoever. I think you could probably still build around them um, with an added piece, or if Poole comes back, and I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Um, but I think even Steve Kerr said we don't win championships without Draymond. Um, so yeah, I, I, I firmly believe you need absolutely all of them back. Um, and I know we mentioned this earlier. I don't know. The issue to me is, is the relationship between Draymond and his team repairable, especially what happened to Poole. Um, and it was evident that they were not as cohesive as they have been in the past. And it cost them. I think we see how difficult it is to win a championship. And so it did cost them uh, this year. So I don't know if that could be repaired. Um, maybe they need a retreat. Maybe they need a, you know, a long man-to-man on an island by themselves. I'm not sure. You know, personally, I thought what Draymond did was foul. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem like uh, Poole has accepted that. But you're not winning it without him. So uh, in my opinion, you need both of them. Okay, Tony? Uh, you know, I got to agree with Larry on that. I, you know, I don't think they go anywhere. Um, unless it's something that an individual decides they want to try to push an option they may have contractually, but you don't you don't break that up. Now it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but the president who really put everything together and brought all those guys. Myers. 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 Right. He stepped down, so I don't know if that's going to shift the culture. And or you know anything that's coming from the top on down, on trying to keep you know those guys together and diffuse certain kind of issues that you know they've been having. He was really phenomenal with that. He would come in and diffuse those problems, such as a Draymond a pool situation, bringing these guys in, talking to them, that kind of thing. He was really good at that troubleshooting internally, uh, standing behind. Everyone that he brought in, everyone that was in position, he was really good at keeping everybody glued together. Him leaving may present a problem. Not sure. I don't know who's going to replace him. But I would not break it up. I'll try to keep that together and build from there. You look at the West Coast, like where are they going to go? And then, you know, how are they going to compete? If you want to get rid of those guys, then who are you bringing in? Because the West Coast ain't no joke. Denver ain't going nowhere for a while. You know, the other guys they got some some work to do out there too. So, I would uh, I would keep them together if I could. Okay, uh, Princess, Draymond, Clay Thompson. You know, I, I guess I'll just have to defer to you all. But Draymond Green woofed at Jordan Poole the whole practice. And then he hit him like a grown man. I don't know how you go say kumbaya with that at all. Um, and and you could tell that, I think, throughout the year. Maybe men can then go and talk and, and get over that. But to me, that's a relationship, a relationship changer right there. Um, and I don't think they're going to keep both of them. 
to me, too, I've never been a Draymond fan, but he has proved me wrong every year. I still think he's an emotional liability for sure. His his elevator doesn't go all the way to the top, and I don't know if he wants it to. And Steve Kerr seems to um, have have accepted him like he is and says he is the key to our team and the leader of our team. So maybe they see something I don't. I give him credit for being uh, more than I ever thought he would be coming out of Michigan State. But um, I'm, I'm not a Draymond Green fan, and I'm less of one watching that video and how he bullied him. Um, I, I don't agree with that at all. As a GM or an owner, I don't know. You know, I guess for business sake and bringing in the money, maybe you keep them together. But as a woman, I think twice about that. Go sit down somewhere, Draymond. <laughs> all right, all right, Tommy. That everybody's mm. getting older. So what you gonna do? You what you gonna do with uh, Draymond and Clay? Well, you know the Warriors they got a a luxury tax problem right now, and Draymond is in. You know he's at the end of his four year contract. He has a player option for the twenty three twenty four season. For $27.5 million. I got him in for the next season. He, had, I think he got him to July, uh, June 29th to decide to whether he will opt in or opt out. Um, I got him in for, the, for, like I say, for the 23-24 season. As far as Clay, he's eligible for an extension this summer. But he he's scheduled to make forty three million dollars in the twenty three twenty four season. And with the you know, with the Warriors with this luxury tax thing, the organization says they expect him to take a pay cut. Uh the same as Wiggins did. You know, Wiggins Wiggins was supposed to make um thirty three million his last year. But then he signed that contract, I think, for $26 million. So, so he took a pay cut. So they're expecting Clay to do the same thing. I also got him in for the 23 and 24 season. So we'll see. The owner just doesn't want to pay that money on, in that luxury tax. Okay. Uh, Tim, Draymond said he wants to go play with LeBron. <laughs> um. <laughs> I I don't know about that. Um, I don't know if that works, quite honestly. Um, It might, but I I don't know. Uh, But in terms of Golden State, um, I don't think they win any of those titles without Draymond. Um, I'm not sure the Detroit Pistons win their titles without uh, Dennis Rodman. Um, I think those guys are special, and they – in those respective teams, they are the the engine that that gets them over the hump. Um, and Clay, we saw what happened when they when they didn't have Clay a couple of years ago. Now Clay's, I think, on the downside of his career. I don't think he's what he was before the injury, but we saw what happened when he wasn't out there. And they did win one last year without it. I mean, with him back, I'm like Larry. I, I don't know how you break that up. Um, I think their problem is they need a big man. If you notice the first uh, few titles they won, they had a big guy in the middle. wasn't a, wasn't a great ball player. 
kind of like those dudes Chicago stuck in there, Luke Longley and, and you know, those mm-hmm. cats. Uh, they were serviceable, but they weren't great players, but, but they were important. And I think that's but what Golden deep. State is missing is the big guy. Okay, uh, Will, your thoughts on it? You know, do they keep them or let them go? I think you just got to ride this one until the wheels fall off. I mean, look how many championships they won together. I mean, Western Conference Finals, they've won together. They're only a year removed from winning the whole uh, championship. Just retool around that big three and, you know, run it until they can't anymore. I mean, I think they've proven they can win in this league. They still met a uh, upset Sacramento in the first round as a sixth seed, uh, had a competitive second round with L.A. So I think they're just a couple players away, retool it, and try to make another run at it. They may have one more one or two more runs left in them with this big three. Okay. So, Duck, I'm the only one that's in my feelings about Draymond. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, he's, a, he's, yeah. he's a wild card. That's <laughs> a two-year year. Wild card. Uh, but I don't think they uh, win without him. Yeah, you yeah. have to have the type of players on your team, though. Those are the dirty ones that – you know, when you're inside that locker room, the rest of the team appreciates and understands what they do. They take a lot of yep. pressure off of everybody else. But, Tim, okay. what if you were in that locker room and he was dirty against you? And, and that's what I to my point. I, I think he and Poole, if Poole may not be able to be there, I think you might right. get, get rid of Poole right. and you keep Draymond because uh, you can't get, a Dr- get rid of Draymond and keep Poole because it doesn't work. So, yeah, okay. I, I agree with you. I, I think Poole is probably gone. Okay. Well, the, the problem with that too, and, and and I know Tony is on top of it too. But the problem with that is his contract now for four years. Uh, you got to find somebody that can take his contract, and I don't know who's willing to do that after his yeah. performance this past year. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Absolutely. I'm gonna stay with Will though, and uh, Will. What's your What was your thoughts on Monty Williams? Uh, getting a Pistons job. Oh, I thought that was a great hire, a great fit for exactly what that team uh, needs right now. He had a great run in Phoenix. You saw, I mean, he had some veteran help, but he had some good development of the young players while he was there, took them to the championship. Um, you know, without, I think CP3 got hurt, kind of ruined his chances, but I think it's exactly what that young Detroit team needs right now. I mean, the record doesn't show it, but they have a promising young core that you can build around and hopefully take that next step in the next uh, one or two years. And you got Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey, a lot of role players, support players around them. So they just got to keep drafting well, building around this young core, and now they have the coach to kind of take this team to the next level. All right, Prince, your thoughts? Is, is he the right man for the Pistons? Yeah, good for him. You know, um, it, with incentives, he becomes the highest paid um, NBA coach. Uh, but I, I thought it was premature that Phoenix let him go, but a new regime, new ownership, they want to shop for whoever they want. But um, I, I think that's excellent for the Pistons and excellent for, for Monty Williams. I think he's a good coach. And uh, I think he can, he can, I don't know, make him a contender um, for sure. Uh, they they are very young, but I, I was very happy to see that. Tony, surprise, not surprised. You know what? Um, I'm not surprised, but I tell you what. First of all, I want to publicly congratulate Monty Williams, man, on getting this position with the Pistons. 
highest paid, you know, coach in the league, $78 million over a six-year period. That's phenomenal. Um, that goes to show you right there the quality of a coach that he is. But he's even better than that as a man. Uh, you know, fortunately I've had, you know, a few, few opportunities to be around him when he was in Philadelphia just to hear him and see how he interacts with the players. This guy, is, he just, I, just nothing but respect for him. Um, I think it was a blessing in disguise, too, at the same time, because Phoenix, when you really look at it, their situation right now, they in trouble. New new ownership comes in. He's coming in, trying to put his twist on everything. You know, uh, you, you got Kevin Durant, but CP3 gets hurt. He's getting older. He's going to be 39, uh, somewhere up there. Um you know, you got other guys on the team. You know, Devin Booker is, you know, still studying strong, but they're falling apart. You know, you you give up a lot to bring in Kevin Durant, and I just don't know where they're going to be next year. I mean, the West is tough. They're going to be yeah. – it's going to be really hard for them. So they got a lot of work cut out for them. So I think Monty Williams is in a good position. Like uh, Will mentioned – he got some really good young talent to work with in Detroit, man. Kate Cunningham, former number one pick. Jalen Duren, he is a monster. He's a beast. Jaden Ivey, these guys are just coming to their own. And I believe they Detroit has like the fifth pick in the lottery. So they're going to get probably one of those Thompson brothers from the OTE. Man, they, he's going to have some really good young talent to work with. So he couldn't be in a better position. You know, financially as well as talent-wise, to build and and bring that dynasty back to Detroit. You know, Pistons going to be a team that's going to be reckoned with in the East again. So, kudos to him, man, and blessing in disguise. I love it, man. I love it. Okay, uh, Tommy, Pistons. What do they need? You know, can Monty get them uh, in the playoffs his first year? We know they're talented. Yeah, they are talented, but you know he should be excited about you know the job. He, it is a good fit for him. Plus, he he's getting paid, you know, um, and the young core that he's working with, you know, you <clears throat> the guys just named uh, some of the players, man. I'm quite sure he's looking forward to working with those guys. They're young and they're very very talented. Uh, Duran and Wiseman. I, I want to see what he can do with those two guys because they're they're very talented guys. It's just it's just a good spot for him. I'm glad for him. Okay, uh, Larry. Yeah, I think this is a steal. I mean, if you go over the landscape of who you had the the options to pick from, um, you couldn't have picked anybody better. And I'm not even considering who was hot. And I don't know what Phoenix is doing. You know, this uh, knee-jerk reaction, you know, after a year having that team together and then go ahead and, you know, getting rid of a coach like that. So I don't know if players were backing it. I'm not sure what was going on. But uh, I I think that – I don't know if Tommy or Tony mentioned it. I think it was a blessing for him to get up out of there. Um, Where he's at now, he's got some dynamite young talent. These young men can play. Um, with his coaching, I think, and maybe even with the number five pick, with his coaching, you know, I think maybe not next year because I think they're a veteran away. 
I, I think they do need some veteran leadership in there to take them to the next level. Um, and obviously they've got to get this. Monty will help them with their defense. Um, but they're a veteran away. Um, but what they have, the nucleus of what they have, they can ball. And uh, I'm not sure, again, who mentioned it. But as a coach and as a person, I've heard nothing but great things about him in the locker room and way, in the way the men, and these young men specifically, um, react to him. And I think if you're going to build a program, you're going to build a team, uh, that's the type of leadership that you're looking for. Um, so I think Detroit lucked out. Um, they didn't give up on him because I don't think he wanted it. He wanted, wanted to be off for a year. Um, and they didn't take no for an answer, and that's why that contract is so daggone big. Some people think maybe unwarranted, but I think it's the perfect match for what they have and to grow. Um, the, East, the East is, you know, what's turning another three or four years, it'll turn. So I think they're in three years. They'll be in the uh, the conference finals uh, year in and year out. So great pick, Monty Williams. Uh, got got some talent, like you hear uh, Tommy say. And, but do, what about some veterans? Do you bring in veterans? Do you trade your draft pick? What's your thoughts? No, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna keep this real quick and and short cause, and concise. I think it's a great hire. I think he's in a good situation, and I think he can work with what he's got now. I, I don't think they necessarily need to do a whole lot uh, outside of the draft. Uh, I think he's got a good nucleus to work with, and that's, he's, a good, he's the right coach for that situation. Okay. All right. I want to stay with you, uh, Tim, because uh, were you surprised that they kept the coach of the year uh, this year from Boston? <laughs> Um, you know, in a way, the way they were talking about it, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't succumb to the pressure. But I'm glad they let. I'm glad they brought him back because I think he he did pretty well uh, in a situation that could have been a mess with uh, Ime Udoka's situation. Uh, I don't think they handled that well at all, and so I think he walked into a, a sort of a weird kind of situation and he handled it well. So I'm I'm glad they did that. What they did, keeping him on. Okay, I'm coming to you, Princess, because Danny Ainge said that he was better than the previous coach, and I and I kind of gave I tried to send him a high five, but I didn't have his email address. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I missed that, Duck. He said Dan, Danny Ainge said he was better. What? He was better than the previous head coach at Boston Head. Okay, all right. Was, and you really want me to respond to that? Yeah, yeah. I, I I felt good about it, but I just need other somebody else's opinion. Okay, well, I don't feel good about that. And I guess what else is Danny Ainge going to say at this point? Um, I, I thought Missoula showed his his inexperience throughout the playoffs, um, and Yudoka just messed with the wrong lady, and he had to go. So I'll leave it at that. All right. Come on, Tommy. I need some help on this. All right, Tommy, what you got for me? Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, this past season, it was a big year for the Celtics. And I think I've mentioned this once before to you guys. I figured the loser of the Milwaukee series, the coach would be fired. And and it came true. Uh, the Milwaukee coach was Going to be fired, but you know what? I thought as the Celtics lose, they would they would fire their coach also. But at that time, 
I forgot that they had uh, removed the interim position from him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I'm not surprised that they kept him. You know, it was it wouldn't be right for them to remove that interim position and then fire. Him. Um. I'm just, you know, and I'm glad that they're trying to put some coaches around him uh, with some experience. Um, the Sam Cassell was a good hire. Yeah. Man, with Sam being there, I don't know how many more mistakes uh, <clears throat> Missoula can make. You know, with Sam being there, but it's a good, it's a good hire for for uh, Missoula. And they also trying to hire Charles Charles Lee from Milwaukee. Uh-huh. And that would that would be a good hire for for them also. So I'm expecting big things from uh, Mizzou. You know, he's he's one of the homeboys. So we'll see how it goes. All right, uh, Lion. You know, I I like, personally I didn't see any mistakes by Missoula, but go ahead. I, uh, you know, uh, just uh, me. Uh, it, it, you know what I. It, again, there's, there's always such a reaction to uh, when you're young as a coach uh, and you make a mistake. Um, because I've seen other coaches, well, we could go back to this game and uh, this, this last uh, game too. And Wolster makes some adjustments, the other coach doesn't, but he doesn't catch it. The Celtics had the same issues last year as they had this year. This is the exact same team. Last year they caught a flyer. They got hot at the right time, and then they could win. And then they won. That was it. But the exact same problems, you know, in the beginning of the year, I think they went on a nine- or ten-game losing streak last year before pulling it together. Um, so I thought it was a learning lesson. And I think I, – I, I don't know the number. I'm sure somebody here does. Within the past four or five years, they've got three or four coaches. And if you're going to try to run this back and everybody else has fired their coach in the East, I think if you, if you do your due diligence, you keep him, and at least you have some consistency that nobody else is going to have uh, that you're going to at least uh, two or three of the teams that you're going to have to face. So I thought it was a good idea to keep him. I did see some of the mistakes. I thought Sam Cassell was an excellent hire. If you know Sam, uh, he's a fiery coach. You see what he's done with Maxwell. Um, he will jump in your behind, and I think that that's what they needed. They needed that fire personality to jump on you, who's, pro- who's a proven player, and that's who he is naturally, and I think it's accepted by them because they just didn't have any fire um, uh, in, in Boston this year. So I think those are some things that are lacking. But I think it was a great job to create the consistency. I guys, we're going to keep it to a minute uh, because uh, i got one more question before we get out of here. So, Will, uh, real quick, uh, your thoughts on them uh, keeping Missoula? Yeah, I think he uh, should get another shot at it. He's a good young coach. I think he uh, there was a lot of big reactions when he went down 0-3 to Miami, but you know, they, his team fought back. They gave themselves a chance in game seven. Uh, just came up short. I just think they need to retool a little bit. Uh, not be so dependent on the three-pointer. I think I think they're like second in the league and attempted threes. And when they don't hit the three-pointer, they just you know they struggle as was shown in the playoffs. So it's a little bit of retooling. I think he'll evolve and become a better coach next year. Okay, uh, Tony. Um, I'm not surprised that they kept him. Here, here's a guy, a young guy, a young coach who didn't even sit on the bench. He was like sitting behind the team, you know, as an assistant coach. You, you, we walk into an interim position, 
you know, turmoils going on within the organization because of Udoka, uh, good young, uh, smart guy whose his motor is really high, you know, want to learn, and he's going to do the right thing, and he's going to love the players. So, I, you know, I thought it was a, a good move on their part, to, you know, to uh, stick with him and just give him the support he needs. He reminds me a little bit of Eric Spolster when he was that young, uh, where those guys tried to get him fired. But management supported him, and look where he's at now. So Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, between you and I, I think right now he's better than Spolster. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so who – <laughs> Tony, I'm gonna stay with you, Tony, real quick. Uh, who's mm-hmm. next up? Who's who's the next coach gonna get a job? Man, I gotta go with my man Lloyd Pierce, who uh, former head coach, wow. Atlanta yeah. Hawks, and you know he, he's uh, with uh, Indiana Pacers right now as an assistant. <laughs> when uh, Carlisle went out with COVID, he's you know he stood in as interim head coach. Man, he, he he's a phenomenal coach. He's the next guy okay. up. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Tommy, who's next up? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, I haven't heard Nate McMillan's name being involved in any of this. Then you got Doc out there. You got Mark Jackson. I don't know who's up next, really. Okay. Larry, who's up next, Larry? Uh, okay, I'm going to be wishful and hopeful at this point. I think somebody's going to take a runner on Mark Jackson. Um, I, I think he's been punished enough. Hopefully he knows how to keep some of his uh, his, his thoughts to himself. Um, <laughs> but a great I think he's I think he's a great analysis. I think he's probably a really good coach. We saw what he did uh, with the Warriors. I think if you give him another chance, uh, I, I think he, I think he could be very successful. So I, I, out of the blue, I want somebody. That's my dark horse. Okay, Will, who's up next, Will? Actually, with uh, Mark Jackson, I think he deserves another shot to be a head coach. And the name you hear every year is the Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson, but he seems to never get hired. But maybe this is the year he finally gets a head coaching job. Okay, uh, Tim, who's up next, Tim? Uh, unfortunately, I think Van Gundy's going to be hired by somebody. Oh, which one? <laughs> which which, which the, one? The one that's, which one? Not Stan. Uh, what's his, his Mike? Is it what's his name? The one that's uh, with uh, Mark Jackson all the time. Uh, oh no, Stan. Uh, the one who says no more foul shots until yeah, yeah. go in the game. The, the, the <laughs> one that the one that is still holding on to uh, morning's leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gonna get a job. Yeah. Okay, Francis, take us home. Who 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 you got coming up? I want to ask Larry Tisdale. So you think Mark Jackson should keep his mouth closed, understand what the game is, and play it, and and be quiet? Is that what you want Mark to do now? No, no, no. Mark, it's, it's, the rumor <laughs> is that that Mark has gotten trouble for some personal feelings about you know. Uh, uh, more on the lines of religion, it got him in trouble. Oh. Um, it had nothing okay. to do with his X's or O's or anything like that. I think it was his uh, okay. ideas on uh, on gays. I'm rooting for Mark Jackson. Thank you, Tisdale. I'm rooting for Mark yeah. Jackson. I, I know he interviewed for 
um, Milwaukee Bucks, but I, I have not heard anything um, for sure. And next week, guys, can we talk about Uncle Shay Shay leaving um, Skip Bayless? Can we we put that on the Ooh, list? Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. That is it. It is. Oh. <laughs> so well, I, I love to talk about that. Congratulations. Is that because he's becoming uh, Morant's agent? Oh, boy. Now, I hadn't heard that, but I know he has a million viewers on YouTube now, and he's starting to pull in money. So he's pulled his, his show, yeah. which was run was produced by Fox and himself, because I think he's had enough of Skip Bayless. Um, and Skip Bayless is looking at the, the, the running back from – I think the Eagles, LeSean. what was his name? Yeah, LaShawn McCoy. Oh, um, Lord, so. that's not good. Shady. Oh, he's a, oh. <laughs> that's three old lords from you in this show, Tim Moore. <laughs> <laughs> no, Shady McCoy. Shady McCoy has some good ideas, but Shady it talks so fast on the yeah. air. It's hard to stay with him. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why they call him Shady. <laughs> I want him to bring Pat Man Jones on with him. <laughs> oh, no. Uh. <laughs> Pat Man. He would. He would. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Have a great week. Thank you, Will Harris, Larry Tisdale, Tommy Pritchett, Tony Coleman, and as always, Tim Moore and, and Duck Riley. This has been a good one, but I'd like to really talk about that in the next show. Um, and I don't. I think – he um, leaves after the NBA Finals at some point. So um, I want to see that. And then um, Adam Silva said that he will make a decision about John Morant right after the Finals. So a couple of good things coming up. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. I need those numbers, guys. Okay. Okay, Duck. I told you to pick the one you're thinking of, but all right, I'll send mine. You won't all let right. me cheat. Never had it so good sports talk radio. We'll see everybody on Thursday with the athlete spotlight. Be good, fam. Have a great evening.